Today's episode is going to focus on a lot of potty training, and there's a very good reason for that. Moms on Call is excited to announce their brand new cheat sheet for parents, and it's called Potty by Design. It can be such a stressful time, but it doesn't have to be. Potty by Design is full of tips, tricks, ideas, encouragement, and most importantly, permission for you to do what's best for your family, even if that means stopping and starting over. And it is the very first potty training resource that takes into account that kids are not all the same. They don't learn the same. They're not motivated by the same things. And one size does not, in fact, fit all. So enjoy the episode of Moms on Call with a special focus on potty training. And if you're interested in learning more, you can find Potty by Design at MomsOnCall.com. We all find ourselves smack dab in the middle of potty training at some point. Whoa, all the poop talk. We have done it eight times between us. And so, well, like you did what? Five. Oh, oh yeah, I did, I did three. five, but I, I counted as seven. I did seven kids because I started and I stopped and started again with twins. Yes. There's a couple of ways to do this thing called potty training, and sometimes you have to restart. Well, it's often messy, but we have a couple of ways that we have coined, and it makes us laugh. It's the triple P, which is patience, persistence, and what's the last one? Positivity, because we do have to be positive, and because our confidence is contagious, you'll hear us say it over and over again. Yes. And the other way... His mom's on call. Booty camp. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's where you just go. Yeah. Just taking everything off. We're just going to do the best we can, go as frequently as we need to, and try and make that as much fun. It's not, it doesn't really seem like a lot of fun, but try and make that as much fun as possible, whichever way you choose. Or maybe you're just choosing to wait. It is okay. But Moms on Call keeps one very important thing in mind, and that's you, the potty trainer. We know that you need how to use your potty words and the encouragement to keep going, and that's what you'll get here at Moms on Call. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Potty training is one of those milestones that I think as a parent, we run all the emotions from one extreme to the other as to one, when are we going to start? I've got to start right now to, oh my gosh, my three-year-old's never going to be potty trained to, you know, trying to navigate the best way to do it because <laughs> everybody has their own opinion on when we should start and how we should do it. And I know in my own house, I've had five kids. And I will tell you right off the bat, my two girls pretty much potty trained themselves. 
I didn't have to do anything. They wanted to wear big girl underwear. This was awesome. Great. Then we get the boys. Mm. And at, you know, two years old, I or when they were two years old, I was like, great, we're going to potty train and this is just going to be so much fun. Oh, you were so delusional. <laughs> I think it was all of about so two and a half hours. Mm. And I, I was waving the white flag. I was like, they could stay in diapers until they go to college. I don't care at this <laughs> point. And I was never going to potty train them ever again. They have gone to college. And they're not in diapers, just we like <laughs> Let's be Make clear. that known, right? That's right. You know, uh, one of our but bosses. But they love when we talk about this, just be, just so you know, our oh, kids do listen to this podcast. And they do. so we just want to apologize ahead of time to our own children. That's right. We love you so much. Thanks for letting us talk about you and your lives and your potty <laughs> training experiences. And that one time, <sighs> mommy talked about breastfeeding on the radio and you were listening in with your middle school friends. Thank you for forgiving me for that. <laughs> and now so we've gracious. expanded. It. <laughs> it is good. It's now good. These are all things. normal things that we have to go through and we've gone through them. And, you know, potty training is just one of those things that we have to do. And one one I'll never forget. So Dr. Knox, we both worked for for Dr. Knox and we learned so such a wise wise man. We learned so many things and you know, we were the, his nurse and all the time we would get parents in who were so worried that their kid wasn't potty trained. And his response always was they will not go to kindergarten. And diapers. But wait, some of us need a little bit more direction than that. <laughs> Hence why we created mm, Potty Mom's by Design. Potty by this Design. Is, this is so exciting. <laughs> so, you know, kind of what is, kind of, let's give a general overview. Kind of what okay. is that overview of Potty by Design and why, I mean, you have worked tirelessly um, in trying to create something that isn't just another resource, but we really did try to to come together. You and I, the way we do things is, you know, we go back and forth and we talk and we talk it through and we figure out and we kind of land where we need to land. And we always ask, is this helpful? Is this going to help? Yes. And so kind of give that general overview. Well, we labor over that on we behalf love. of the people oh that we know are going to be taking this advice. <laughs> and it is incredibly um, valuable to us. So when people say, thank you, and that helped me, we're like, yay, that's what we were after. But one of the things that we saw, you know, that was left out was how do you support the potty trainer? The potty trainee is going to get it. There's multiple methods out there. There's multiple ways to do it. But how can you harness that experience to be able to put something valuable in your child's heart because you are accomplishing something together? This is a big transition for them, and it doesn't always go smoothly. And, you know, one of the things that we wanted was in Moms on Call style is how can we populate some of that vocabulary so it's short, so it's positive, And so, you know, those things always come back to us. What can I say to them that also helps to reassure my heart and helps to let them know that they can do it? And different kids are different, just like your girls and the boys. 
not all girls potty train themselves. Not all boys take forever. It's more about their design. Now, rule followers, yes, the rule followers in the world, they make all the potty training methods look good because they want to do it right. And so, you know, it just seems like, yes, the success should be universal for every kid. <laughs> and it is not. The hardest kid to potty train is? I would say the hardest design is social. Yeah. Because it can turn into a power play because they're more motivated by your reactions and your facial expressions than they are the achievement. Whereas, you know, rule follower wants to get it right, a little engineer. Sometimes they have trouble if we don't keep things in, you know, definable, repeatable steps that they can understand. And so we built all of that in. Like, here's the most, the two most popular methods, which we nicknamed, which we have a fun time. Laura <laughs> and I, we just like to entertain ourselves sometimes. So I love... The three P's is my favorite. Triple P. Triple P. Triple P. I love it. Right? And then booty camp. (laughs) Mom's on call booty camp. Booty camp. That's pants off just for the kids. The ultimate goal is the accomplishment of something new and being able to work together to get there. And so that's that's really what we put in here. Like, how do you get from here to there without losing your Mind. So, you're cool. What are the three P's, Jennifer? It is patience, persistence, and positivity. We're just going to let them, it's letting them go at their own pace. Right. right. It's just being patient and putting them in the toddler resources. We talk about uh, when their heart is open for instruction, utilizing the time. It's just not all day long. Their heart's just open for instruction every second. So how do we use the times their heart is open for instruction to put that potty experience on their radar? And then how do we make that their idea and responsibility? Well, and I think that you can't get there if you don't know how your kids are designed, right? I think as as parents of toddlers, we really need to, there's a few things that we can pay attention to, to really know how our kid is, is designed, which is going to help the conversation that -hmm. we're going to have to speak into their hearts. So what are those designs again? It's the SMART paradigm. Not SMART. Not SMART. SMART. (laughs) As for social, M for movement, A for an engineer, R for rule follower, and T is for touch. And so those are just primary motivators. Every kid's a combination of those. We're not pigeonholing kids into one kind. But you can take a little quiz at the Toddler by Design app from Moms on Call And get an idea of what percentage right now in your child's stage that they are in right now, you know, what's really motivating them. And then you can use that so that you can use their actual motivators, not what motivated the other kid, not what motivated the kid down the street, not what motivated, you know, somebody else's kid or, you know, like you said, with your daughter. Just what really motivates them and being able to harness that so that we're providing the information they're really looking for. Take that engineer. We were talking about breaking it down into small, repeatable steps so that they can understand that and then not insulting their little scientist by over-celebrating things, you know, oh my goodness, yeah, that just insults the, you know, inner accomplishment of an engineer. And it's so good to know that because then that helps us 
to be more effective at communicating this change. And it's just different. It's just unfamiliar. So how do we speak into the familiarity long enough for them to then relax and get the mastery? Those muscles, it takes time. One of the big things is that kids don't get control over their bowel and bladder habits at night until between three and five years of age. So we're going to do pull-ups for sleep times. And if there's one thing that unravels even the best of potty trainers, it is those sleep times, nap time and night time. You know, they want to, if they know you're interested in potty, they are going to use that as an engagement tool for all the sleep times. Because it works, right? I mean, it it gets us back in in there. there. Yeah. Got a potty. And you think I'm going to ruin everything if I put this pull-up on for nap time. Nope. Pull-ups are for sleep times until they wake up between one to two weeks in a row. Dry. Then you can move on. It just means that it's time. But there's so many questions and so many different um, details of what to do. And Mom's on Call Style, we mapped it out. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be probably one of my favorite resources because I think that it's so inclusive. You know, you and I were, when we started talking about the potty training thing mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, well, we have some potty training info. There's a potty training sheet, cheat. Oh, say that cheat, three times. Sheet. Yeah. <laughs> cheat, 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 cheat. In the back um, of the toddler book, we have lots of cheat. <laughs> Say that three times. (laughs) And, you know, and we were like, oh, yeah, 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 we've got that in the book. But then we kind of sat and really read it and sat with it and thought, okay. People need more detail than this. We've got to be able to come alongside our Moms on Call families and really give them the tools that they need. And maybe even more than that, Jennifer, was permission, right? Permission to pick one of these ways permission to pick one and then change course oh, 24 yes. hours later or you know because everybody wants to know when do I poly- potty train and how do I do it mm-hmm. how long will this take and how long will it take and that is a question that has no answer right <laughs> it's just like it come just on Jennifer is. tell me tell me is it gonna take a day is it gonna take three days is it gonna take two weeks I want to know how long <laughs> if, is it gonna take if every human were the same then we would be able to answer that question very definitively. A rule follower will probably be somewhere around three to five days, right? (laughs) Depending on what time you start, you know, you just, if you start when they're showing signs and you start when they're ready and when you're ready, that's always giving us an advantage. However, it depends on how your child is designed. And this is so freeing. There are some parents listening right now that, literally hid, like we've heard the stories, literally hid their non-successful attempts because somebody else's kid did it faster or they were embarrassed that they were just so gung-ho and then, you know, the kid is still having some accidents. So we're going to say right now, whether your kid is potty trained or not potty trained is not a measurement of how successful you are at this whole body training thing. <laughs> as a parent. It is not. As a parent, it is not a measurement of success, no more than any other milestone or things that are completely out of our control to some extent. Mm-hmm. And there are some who are in a power play with a social kid to Woo! this day. Oh, we have walked <laughs> some amazing parents through some difficult power plays 
and we have gotten from here to there. So first of all, we just want to let you know there is hope. And yes, you can reset the slate. And if you're just in a huge battle, it's okay to just go back to pull-ups. It's not going to ruin everything. I want to say that again. It is not going to ruin everything. But if you are in the throes of it and you are just, it is potty talk all day long and you're just nervous, you have some deadline that you have to reach, it is okay. Sometimes really just resetting the associations that they have so that every time we talk about potty, it's not a stressful thing for both of you. Then one to two weeks of really just going back to pull-ups and the hardest thing is not talking about it. Now they'll want to talk about it because now life is in this new familiar pattern of talking about potty all the time. And so they'll want to talk about it a lot and just being like, you know, you're going to get it when you're ready. You know what? You're going to get that poo-poo and pee-pee in the potty when you're ready. I trust you. I'm not worried. Those kind of phrases just put the responsibility back in their ballpark. And it's so helpful. And then picking what way you want to go forward, knowing their design, getting all your stuff ready. We have a little list of the items to have on hand. Like we tried to literally make this so, so easy and fun. There's some jokes in there that make me very, very happy. So when you read it, I hope that you'll find those and chuckle a little bit. Um, And that's what it should be. It shouldn't be super stressful. It's going to be fun and you're going to get there. And it is okay if you have a couple false starts. And you're going to find uh, the Potty by Design on our website, momsoncall.com, uh, and print it off, read it, look at it, pick away, and move forward and know that it's okay to stop and restart and choose one way and choose another. But the truth of the, the matter is we're going to get them potty trained. It will happen. Uh, It just may not be necessarily on our timeline or as quick as we hope. And it's going to be a messy endeavor, right? (laughs) Yes. Potty training often laughs at our timelines. (laughs) The amount of parenting information out there is overwhelming. Not only do you have books and videos and websites and podcasts, but you also have a lot of family and a lot of friends who think they are experts and they may be. And sometimes you just need to ask somebody who knows. Jennifer and I have decades of pediatric nurse experience between the two of us. And we've helped a lot of kids and families. And we want to help you as well. Leave us a message at 888-234-7979. And we'll try to answer you during an upcoming podcast. Hi, my name is Caitlin from New York. My baby is two months old, and I have a question about um, naps. I understand how to stretch feedings and, you know, how to try to make it to the next feeding in order to keep your schedule intact, but what about naps, and how does that affect the nap schedule? For example, I'm trying to get my baby to wake up at 7 a.m. every day, but if she's awake for an hour, hour and a half prior to that, she falls asleep right away once I get to 7 o'clock. Um, and then the whole schedule after that kind of falls apart because she's no longer, if she's barely awake, it's, I say I get a feeding in at 7, but I can't keep her awake for wake time. That means I have to, what, keep her awake until 10 the next feeding, keep her asleep until 10 the next feeding. 
how do I keep her that schedule intact so the rest of the day can continue on the way it's supposed to? Thank you. We love this question, Caitlin. So we definitely see it. Uh, you know, it is. It gets confusing when they don't sleep exactly the way it's, it's we have it outlined. Um, but this is the great news. We have crazy day schedules built right in. So try to hit those C times as often as you possibly can. And I want you to know that if, let's just say, okay, we're feeding at 7 a.m., She's supposed to go down for a nap around 8.30, but like you said, she was up for an hour prior to that. It's okay. Let her doze during what we call awake time, and we do say that term loosely. She can doze for five minutes here, 10 minutes here. Your job is about every five to 10 minutes, move her to the next thing. So whether it's tummy time for five or 10 minutes or back time for five or 10 minutes or snuggling and she's asleep in your arms for five or 10 minutes. Walk outside. That will help disrupt that sleep cycle so that she's just not getting too comfy for too long until we purposefully head up and do that pre-nap routine and get her ready uh, to go down for that nap. So then again, things will still get kind of wonky, as we say, hit your C times. So we know that 7 a.m. is a C time and that 4 p.m. feeding is the other kind of afternoon C time that will get things back on track for that evening time. And I think to add to that, um, remember that you've got 15 minutes on either side of the schedule to you know, be able to count at that feeding at that time. So it would be 9.45 to 10.15. Hi, my name is Patricia Cronin. Um, I am in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania right now, and I have a almost one-year-old. Her birthday is on Friday. Um, And my question is, she is taking two naps a day still, um, and we put her down at 7 for bedtime. But lately, the past month, I would say she has been waking up between 4.30 a.m. and 5 a.m. when she used to wake up at like 6.15, um, 6.30. So I don't really know what's going on. I've tried adjusting a little bit her schedule, trying to put her down a little bit earlier for her second nap. But she doesn't fall asleep until a bit later. I just don't know. I'm kind of at a loss of what to do. Um, Her room is dark. She... um, you know, it's all the things that I think I'm doing right. I mean, we put her down for nap at nine, and then we put her down at one thirty for bed for nap at her second nap. But she doesn't always fall asleep at one thirty. She's been kind of fighting that nap, um, so she'll fall asleep at two, but she wakes up at four. She probably sleeps for about um, two to two and a half hours during the day. So I don't know if I don't think she's oversleeping. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not sure what to do, and it's kind of gotten a little too much. So any help would, would be great. Thank you. Hey, Patricia, thank you so much for that question. Um, yeah, you know those early wake-ups, they are so frustrating, but it depends on how they wake up. Like some kids, they're just there kind of rolling over, fussing a little bit on and off. 
And that can actually be that last little bit of twilight sleep. So just because you feel like they're quote unquote awake or they're making some noise doesn't necessarily mean we need to intervene in any way. So I would recommend, you know, continuing to stay out until 630 and letting that be your start of day. It's totally fine. Kids of this age need between 12 and 14 hours of sleep a day. So your question about the naps Perfect. We're not getting, we're not over napping. That is not what's causing this. It's more um, a matter of let's work at getting some of that energy out during the day. Um, we want to take that evening time right before bath and, you know, just pour some activities in there. And we have some great blogs about that too, about some potential activities that you can do with your kids to make things fun. But, you know, that's the time if you take um, you know, a walk, let them get out of that stroller when you get somewhere and run around a bit and let them be active. And we find that that helps a whole lot. And, uh, you know, if you're still having trouble beyond that, you know, we have these great consultants who can, they go over the details with you. Because sometimes you can find that, oh, you know what, if we kind of limit that morning nap, maybe to, you know, between 9.30 and 10.30, and maybe that'll shift that afternoon nap to start closer to 1, and that can go from, say, 1 to 3. That sometimes will help uh, get them ready for bed and get them get that early morning waking uh, shifted a little bit. But one thing that we probably don't talk enough about is that it's just normal. It is normal to wake up about an hour before our, what we call get up time, you know. It's Giddy normal <laughs> to kind of wake up and toss and turn. And, you know, I might look at my phone and see what time it is. And, oh, you know what? I've got another 20 minutes. And Hey, if your 13-month-old is looking at their phone, we have another problem. That's going to be a that whole other so call. <laughs> and then Sorry, if those naps are you know, still kind of start getting a little more out there, then we can always uh, try the one nap routine. But we try and keep two naps as long as possible. Hi, my name is Susie. Um, I am from New Jersey. I have a 10-week-old baby boy. And I am just starting to get him on the schedule, but I was a little confused because he can't stay up for an hour and a half. He gets very overtired that way, and then naps become a disaster. Um, he really can only be awake for like 50 minutes, and then he goes down really nicely. But when I try to keep him up even just an hour, he screams and cries and screams and cries um, during his nap, and I end up having to hold him. So I was wondering if you could help me figure out how to reconfigure the schedule to make it work for him. Thanks. Hey, Susie. So, you know, at 10 weeks of age, we want to just start to gradually increase that awake time. And sometimes it's just simply allowing them to doze for five or 10 minutes and then moving them, disrupting the, the dozing cycle up until you're ready to put him down for that nap. We also want to point out that we do have that 15-minute grace period on either side of the times listed. So maybe what you'll do is, okay, at around that 50-minute mark, you know that he's kind of maxed out uh, and starts to get kind of fussy. Well, maybe that's a great time to do a little bit of snuggling uh, and letting doze for a few minutes. Okay, well, now it's, you know, 
Um, you're, he's been up for about 60 minutes, dozing in your arms a little bit. Head up to his room and change his diaper and begin that pre-nap routine, which can consist of changing the diaper and some snuggling, maybe some tummy time where you're listening to some soft music. And then swaddle and put down. So you may kind of put down closer, use that 15-minute grace period uh, to your benefit and and then see how that goes. Also, double check and make sure that you're swaddling correctly. At 10 weeks of age, we're getting close to taking that away. Um, so, but, you know, at 10 weeks, if, if you're still swaddling, make sure you swaddle correctly and make sure you're using the right sound machine too. That's a huge piece of the puzzle. Thank you to everybody who left us a voicemail or sent us a message on Instagram over the past few days. We're sorry that we can't answer every possible question on the podcast, but we try to get to as many as we can. So if you have a specific question you'd like us to address, you can leave us a message at 888-234-7979. You can also reach out to us on Instagram. We check our Instagram account before every recording of the podcast. We like to leave you with the good stuff. That means we're going to put a smile on your face and we're going to leave you with your heart feeling happy. We look for stories that are uplifting and encouraging and talk about the best of humanity. We call this segment The Good Stuff. We all just need a cheerleader, and I want a cheerleader like this boy. So this educator, they're all in, you know, preschool age, and they're doing their flashcards, right, you know? And so this sweet little boy is, you know, they're pointing out flashcards, and and every time... King, this other little boy would get it, right? The boy across the table would start shouting, what's up? what's up? And putting his arms up in the air. And I mean, he was so happy. The teacher is just loving this, watching this little boy just really be a cheerleader for the other boy. But the best part, the best part. So when King again, so so King's the little boy that's kind of, he's, he's having to answer these flashcards. And when he gets it right again, the little boy across from him says, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. And I'm thinking, okay, we all need that type of cheerleader when we do something right. I mean, how cool is that? Okay, so that kid grew up and I found him at a basketball game one time because um, I have twins. They play bas- They played basketball and they were on the team. So I'm sitting behind parents of an opposing team member. And every time his kid would make a basket, he'd stand up and go, that's my boy. So one of my kids makes a basket and I stood up and I go, that's my boy. And he looked and smiled at me. And then my other son made a basket and I go, that's my other boy. And he turned around, high-fived me. We hugged each other, like where you kind of go like back and forth. It was just like exactly how fans should behave. Like it was just so much fun to celebrate our kids together. So Maybe those are the parents of this kid, and that's what they said to him and placed something incredibly valuable in his heart and gave him a script for life to share with his friends across the table in preschool. Whoever is doing that in life, those words that will be repeated. Um, I just want to say that you are 
the most amazing people. We want to be your cheerleaders. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. The number one way that people find out about new podcasts is word of mouth. And that is how Moms on Call got started. And your endorsement of this show is so important. Please tell all of your friends about this show. If you think something in here would bring a smile to their face or would be helpful to them in any way. Also, please leave us a five-star review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined, write a short paragraph about what you like about us. Thanks in advance, and we appreciate you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast.